So welcome again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ this morning. We are th so thankful to have all of you with us here this morning. And today's kind of a special day today. Um, as you know by now, the elders have some really important announcements and updates for you uh, here at the end of services. So we're going to do something just a little bit different. They've asked me to kind of keep my remarks short, which I know makes most of you happy. Uh, but what we're going to do is, as most of you know, way back in November, we did the first half of our Ephesians series. And then we kind of took some time off because we did our Christmas series and then we had a couple of guest speakers in, so we kind of changed gears for a little bit. And starting next week, we're going to jump back into our exegetical study of the book of Ephesians. So I thought this would be the proper time, since we're running on a little bit shorter time frame this morning. We're going to take some time to look back at that first half of Ephesians, and then we'll take just a few minutes to look ahead to the second half of Ephesians. So what I'd like to do this morning is look at some of those key ideas from Ephesians and some of those key scriptures that hopefully you remember, or if you missed that series, maybe this will be new for you, but either way, you will be prepared for the second half of Ephesians that we're going to start next Sunday. Now, there's two, two kinds of people uh, when you're driving, right? There's the people that when you drive by some beautiful scenery, they like to slow down and take a good long look at that scenery. And then there's other people who just keep flying at about 80 miles an hour and go, yeah, that was nice. We're going to be the second group here this morning. Yes, Glenn with his Porsche, yes. Uh, we're going to be that second car here this morning. Uh, we're going to be moving at kind of warp speed here this morning as we try and look back at the first five parts of our Ephesians series. So not normally how we would go about this, but I think it'll be fun, and I think it'll be a little bit different here this morning. So buckle up, stay with us. We're going to move pretty quickly here this morning, and then next week we'll slow it back down as we tackle the second half of the book of Ephesians. So... Let's jump in. We have been talking about Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And we talked a little bit about the background that Paul was dealing with. Because, see, if you don't understand the context of his letter or why he's writing the things that he's writing, you're going to be very confused and you might even be just a little bit lost. Ephesus was a place that Paul had been earlier in his ministry. And then we are actually at a point in his writing where he is, of course, where Paul always seemed to be, which was where? He was in prison. And again, the reason that I bring that up is because it sets the time frame and it sets the context for his letter. Because, see, this letter is inherently very positive. And Paul talks about some really great things in this letter. And when we think about the fact that he's doing this while sitting in prison, it really gives us a frame of reference. Because when we're going through difficult times, when there's difficult circumstances around us, we see we can look to these examples like Paul and see that despite his circumstances, he was still doing the work of the Lord and he still remained positive because of that hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So Ephesus at this time was a very powerful city. It was a port city. And when you think about that, it makes sense that a port city would be a powerful city because this is where the boats would come in and out. Because remember, they didn't have mass transit trains. They didn't have semi-trucks. So it was very important that Ephesus was a port city. So this was a very powerful city, a very important city. It was a, it was a center of worship for the people in this area. They were all about money. They were all about magic. They were all about power. And they were all about sexual immorality. Now, again, the reason that I bring these things up is it's important that you understand who the audience was that Paul was talking to. Because, see, if we just pull things out of the Bible and look at it by itself, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But when we put it into the proper context, the time, the place, the author, and who his intended audience was, it can help us get a little bit better insight into what Paul was trying to accomplish. 
So Paul was nice enough to break this book into two equal parts for me, which is what allowed us to do that first half of the series in November and the second half in February. So I really appreciate that. I'll I'll remember to send him a thank you note. But part one is chapters one through three, and that's kind of the gospel story, and that's what we're going to look at today. It's kind of that story of what happens when we're in Christ and what that means to be in Christ and what are the rewards that we get for being in Christ. And then the second part, which we're going to start next week, is our story. It's how does our life change? How are things different for us when we're in Christ Jesus? So, as I said, we're going to go fast. The, the topic of number one was are we in Christ and what that means to be in Christ. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible app, go ahead and flip, flip to the book of Ephesians. Again, you're going to get a workout here this morning. But we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And again, the key to this phrase, the key to this verse, is it's the spiritual blessings in Christ. We're not talking about the physical blessings at this time. We're not talking about the riches that we hope to receive. We're talking about the spiritual blessings that we get when we're in Christ Jesus. It says, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ. So see, what we talked about is that when we're in Christ, right, when we're a baptized believer, when we're walking with Christ, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we actually gain some things from that. See, we get to be holy. We get to be at peace. We get to be blameless. We're adopted. We're adopted into God's precious family. We're predestined. Now, I know that word gets us in trouble sometimes, right, when we talk about predestination, but that's not really what we're talking about here. See, predestination is the theory that before you were born, it was determined whether you were going to heaven or hell, and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about predestined, as in we have been chosen, because God wants everyone to experience the glory of heaven. And he's wanted that for you since before you were born. We're sealed. We're sealed with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit And most importantly, we are forgiven. See, when you're in Christ, when you give your life to Christ, when you're living your life or trying to live your life to the best that you can to follow the teachings of the scripture, you get all of these wonderful things. You get to be forgiven for all of the mistakes that you and I make every single day. Because the Bible tells us that all fall short. We're all sinners. But see, we don't have to be identified by that. Because see, when we're in Christ, we receive a new identity. We're no longer a sinner. We're no longer an engineer. We're no longer a lawyer. We're a Christian. We're a child of God. And that changes everything when you see yourself the way that Christ Jesus sees you and not the way that the world sees you. The second part was where we find our power to overcome the worry, the weariness, and the weakness. We're not promised an easy life right? Our life is better when we have Christ, but that's not to say that every day here on earth anyway is going to be a bed of roses. We go through some difficult times. We go through some struggles. We experience loss. But see, where do we find our power to deal with those things? And that's what we looked at in in the second part of Ephesians, was not looking to the wrong things to find our power. See, today we're always looking for the easy fix, right? We're always looking for that that magical switch, right? That magical pill that'll help me lose weight. That magical get-rich-quick scheme where all I have to do is, is take my phone and scan some price tags and I can get rich. But what Paul reminds us of is where we should be looking to 
for our power. Where do you look for for your power? Do you look for the things of this world? Do you look for the people in this world? Where are you looking for power? We're going to jump ahead to to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, that's where our power comes from. Our power comes from above. Our power comes from the Spirit. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, there's hope again, to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. See, we got to stop looking for things in this world to plug into. we we got to stop looking for that easy, that quick fix. And we got to remember where our true power comes from. And that's the one person that holds all of the power. Verse 19 says, and his incomparably great power for us. There, again, I love that word. Incomparably great power. When we think of the most powerful things you can think of, times infinity, right? His incomparably great power for those of us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength. So again, where are we looking for our power? See, we got to plug in to the Holy Spirit, we got to plug in to a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he'll give you all the power that you need. He'll help you through those difficult times. He'll give you the power to overcome. But you got to plug in. It's just like an electrical outlet in our home, right? It doesn't do any good if you don't plug anything into it. But what happens when you take that, that electrical cord and you plug it in? That's where you get your power from. And we got to plug in to the church, right? we got to plug in to each other. Because we're not on this journey alone. That's where we find our true power. The next thing we looked at is how important it is for us to be with one another. or How important is it for us to be in community? Because, see, God is building something special when we gather together. There's something special that happens when we get together. Now, I don't know about you, but when we were in the midst of the pandemic and we couldn't be together, things were just different. Is anybody else feeling that? Things were just different, right? Yes, I, I'm very thankful for Chris and Sharla and our, our wonderful AV team that, that kept us going with these amazing live stream services, but it just wasn't the same. Because, see, we didn't have that togetherness. We didn't have that closeness. See, we were never designed to do life alone, and that's why that this pandemic has been so hard on people. I have friends that have really struggled during this time because they don't do well being alone. And as Christians, we were not made to do this alone. And we know that because we can look all the way back to Genesis to the creation story. And what did God say about Adam? Not good for that dude to be alone. He needs a helper. He needs a mate. And we need each other. Because we're there for one another. To build one another up. To encourage one another. To pray with one another. To hug one another when we're having hard times. See, we are better together. And I truly believe that with all my heart. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Now, again, context. He was talking to the Jews and the Gentiles, right? Who had been separated, who had been separated by their differences. And he's saying, look, no, 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 not anymore. See, we're all in this together now. 
Because see, when we focus on Jesus Christ, we forget about those differences and we forget about those things that divide us and we focus on the one thing that should bring us together. And that's our Lord and Savior. And that's what Paul is reminding us about here. It says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. Now, if you remember this lesson, we actually took some time and we, and we looked at an example of what a cornerstone is. But just in case you're not familiar, a cornerstone was this giant piece of stone that was a perfect right angle. Okay, because remember, back in these days, they didn't have lasers and they didn't have computers. They did all this by hand. So if they were going to make a building and they wanted that building to be straight and to be true and to be square or rectangular, whatever they were building, it was important that this cornerstone was laid in the right place and that it was a perfect 90 degree angle. And see, Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Because if we keep using him as our guide, if we keep using him as our measuring stick, then we're not going to fall short. So we come together as a community. We're better together as a community because we're focused on our cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. Because, see, we're a family. And like many families, sometimes we're a dysfunctional family, right? We don't always get along. We may argue about silly things sometimes. But at the end of the day, we are family and we have each other's back. For those of you that have siblings, you probably remember that growing up, right, it was okay for you to pick on your siblings. But what happened if somebody else picked on your siblings? Game on, right? No, no, no. You don't get to make fun of my little brother, but it's okay for me to make fun of my little brother. But that's what, see, that's what family is all about. We may not always get along, and we may not always see eye to eye on things, but we're family at the end of the day, and we have each other's backs. See, Christ is the foundation, and this is is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's so important for us to be together. So Paul then takes a, a little bit of a turn. A, you might call it a 180 turn, right? Because up to this point in Ephesians, we're talking about what happens when we're in Christ. What happens when we come together in Christ? And Paul takes a little bit of a detour here. And he says, well, wait just a minute. This, this isn't all sunshine and rainbows. Because what happens if you choose not to follow the gospel? What happens if you choose not to be in Christ. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 1 says, I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 2 says, in their own eyes they flatter themselves too much to detect or to hate their sin. Now I included this verse because I think this verse is very powerful for us even today. Because, see, we've started to kind of normalize sin, right? We see things on TV all the time. We hear things in music all the time. And, and it's kind of dulled our senses, right? It used to be when I was a kid, right, if you heard somebody use the F word, it was like, oh, did you hear that? And now everywhere I go, I hear that word used as a noun and an adjective and a verb and every other way you can think of by kids about this tall. Because, see, we, we've normalized that. And that's just an example of the things that we normalize. See, when we see these things over and over again, when we have our lawmakers passing laws saying things are okay that the Bible goes against, we're normalizing sin. And it's just becoming part of our everyday. And as Christians, we have to be careful to say, no, that is not okay, because that goes against the teaching of the Bible. And we can't let our guard down and let these things start to work their way into our lives. See, we live in grace and not guilt. And that's really important because I talk to a lot of people who say, I really want to come back to church. I really want to come back to Jesus, but I can't because I've made too many mistakes. 
Well, that's the beauty of the grace and the mercy that we get from Jesus Christ, is you don't have to live that way. That is not your identity. But see, we have to remember that, and we cannot let that define who we are. we got to forget our past. we got to stop looking behind and look ahead. You can still write your story. You can't write your past. You can't go back to your younger self and say, I'm not going to do those stupid things that I did when I was a kid. Trust me, I wish I could. We can't jump in the DeLorean, right, and set it back to when we were five or six years old and fix things. But what we can do is say, look, today is the first day of the rest of my story. And I'm going to write it in the way that I want it to end. Because, see, you can't write your beginning anymore, but you can sure write your end. And you have the power to do that. And you have the ability to do that. And you can do that through Jesus Christ. How important is it for us to be together? How important is it for us to be with one another? Ephesians chapter 2. And actually, no, we already read that. I apologize. I just got to advance my part. All right, so we are live in a society of more, right? We want more. Look at the size of our soft drinks these days. Have you seen these things? They're like 64 ounces of Coke. It's like a bucket of Coke. You literally go to the gas station, you walk out with a bucket of Coke. Look at the size of our meals these days. We want more. We want faster internet. We want bigger cars. We want more of pretty much everything in our lives these days. And for those of you who've been around, this, around the, uh, the, the world for a while now, We've seen the change of how things just over the last 20 years, right, have changed. Everything is bigger. Everything has to be faster. Everything has to be quicker. Because we want more. And see, Paul addresses that. What is it that we should want more of? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we need more of. Right? We don't need bigger houses. We don't need faster cars. Although if some of us keep having kids, we're going to need bigger houses. But, but what? Yes, that was. I'm taking a shot at myself. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm there. But here's what we really need more of. We need more of Christ in our hearts. And how do we do that? We got to work on that relationship that we have with Jesus through prayer, through time in the Word, through meditation, maybe through fasting. We need more of that relationship in our lives. We need more of the Holy Spirit to move from our heads. To our hearts. Because see, we say all the right things, right? Oh yes, I love Jesus. Oh yes, I want to advance the kingdom. Oh yes, I want to build the church. But does it go from here to here? Does that information that we know make it from our heads to our hearts, which is where we take action? See, that's what we need more of. And we need more of God's power in us. Less of me, God, more of you. 
So here's a quick snapshot for you, for those of you that like to get ahead, for those of you who like to read ahead, for those of you who want to think ahead for next week, is we are going to jump into the second half of Ephesians, and we're going to talk about the fullness of Christ. We're going to talk about the new self, how we become new in Christ. Paul gives us a wake-up call. That's going to be a great one, and we're going to finish with a new twist on a familiar story, which is the armor of God. I know that was a quick, super fast recap, and you're welcome to go back and look at some of those scriptures a little bit more in detail, or if you were here with us before, you know, you can always go back and look at the live streams, but, but we're looking at this powerful letter from Paul to the church at Ephesus, and we're going to pick that up again next week. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to invite Brandon up, and he is going to sing what's called the Song of Invitation. And if you, we've been talking a lot this morning about being in Christ, and maybe you've never had the chance to be baptized, to really truly be in Christ, to have your sins forgiven, to be seen as a child of God, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have an opportunity to do that right here this morning. Or maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, but you haven't been living your life in Christ, and you need some help with that, and you need some prayers with that, and you need somebody to talk to. I want to invite you to come forward as we stand together and as we sing. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst, refuse to waste our lives, for you're our joy and prize. To see the captive's hearts release, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace, we lay down our life for heaven's star. We are your church. We pray we Church, we are the whole 